Beko Banyaya, just like the London buses, you wait a long time and then two come along at once. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. It's a classic, it never goes wrong. <sighs> I'm the one Brit on this show, I have to have some level of influence still. A small amount, just a smidge. You, you, you think that's just a London expression? Happens here in New York, too. What really? the fuck is yeah. public transportation? <laughs> Never heard of her. Never heard of her. Hardly knew her, as one would say. Welcome to episode 323 of Motorsport 101. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Dre Harrison. And uh, my word, uh, we've got some good stuff to catch up on in this one. We had IndyCar um, over in Monterey, the Grand Prix of Monterey, formerly known as that race at Laguna Seca. Uh, and we have MotoGP at Masano, a little, with a little bit of a uh, sprinkling of Aragon catch-up thrown in there as well, for good magic. We didn't get that last week, we were a bit tight for time, but uh, we thought we'd, we'd, we'd put it all together, because hey, the same man won both races in very similar fashion, actually. So I guess it all just fits. With me, and uh, with us, I should say, for the next hour or so, we have RJ O'Connell. Hello, sir. Howdy, y'all. Oh, goodness, I'm... Is, is it already the end of IndyCar season? Are we already getting to that overlap where IndyCar just decides we need to clear the hell out of the way for the rest of NFL season? Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, we're competing with Red Zone. Let's get out. Like, Squat Hanson's too good for us. No, we're, we're, not out we're not competing with the powerhouse that is Jacksonville Jaguars football. <laughs> But yeah, that's crazy, because we, we did actually get final confirmation of the 2022 calendar for next season. Next season finishes even earlier, September the 11th. Like, just two weeks earlier. It starts year. early. It starts in yeah. February now. February. February would, start. Would, nice, yeah. nice slow start. Ramps up at the end. Finishes September Man, IndyCar. 11th. <laughs> IndyCar starting before the 12 hours of sabering is a really weird vibe. IndyCar going on at the same time as the 12 hours of Sebring has survived these drivers don't like. <laughs> I told you, IMSA folks, not happy. Not happy at all. Um, talk, we'll talk about, we talked about that a little bit last week, so check that one out if you haven't already. Cam Buckley, welcome back, sir. Have you, have you sold, how, many, how many phones have you sold yet? <laughs> um, yeah, quite a few. Sorry I wasn't here last week. I was just raring to go to talk about Monza and all of them just unfiltered fuckery <laughs> of that race, but uh, yeah, get, 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 had, had to want. spend some extra time had to spend some extra time at the fruit stand. That's a little bit <laughs> for you. Yeah, that's not something to do with a certain brick being released. But Cam, you got two whole minutes if you want. So what did you make of all of Monza, given that, hey, you, you missed out last week. We get, you, get, you can get some quick, you get an ultra quick catch up in. <laughs> um, McLaren, <laughs> one, two. It's, yeah! uh, it's about damn time. It's, it's about, about damn, damn time. time. It's about damn time. And, um, you know, it's funny. Uh, some people calling some people calling Lewis v. Max Prost versus Senna. No, it's actually Senna versus Senna. Yeah. People leaving no room and people going for unrealistic dive bombs. Hey. Perfect. Perfect. You can't shut the door when the horse is already halfway through it. And you can't put the horse through the door when it's already halfway shut. <laughs> Either scenario is not ideal. Uh, fun, no fun mm. times for no one except for Zach Brown, who skied a shoey, as you do. Speaking of orange, oh god, 
Oh, King is here. Hello, Ooh. sir. I'll have you know that this is not orange because uh, I'm here at my house uh, doing my <laughs> best Tom Scott impression. Exposure on that camera is just tragic. Yeah. I have a wine red shirt and some beige khaki pants that I could swap into right now to make it to make it the full Tom Scott ensemble. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my man, before we started recording, he went through all the Instagram filters and found the one that made the most sense here. Yeah, um, it's 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 like my it's like my body just vanished into like just a sea of red. <laughs> What is this? What is this? The final episode of Ava? (laughs) (laughs) God damn it! It's like we've just been joined by Ryan King's floating head on a blue background. Today's episode sponsored by Tang! (laughs) 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 Oh, no, no, no. Brilliant, brilliant. And I thought I was the modest one here in the Oktoberfest jersey, but here we are. No, no. Well, uh, thank, thanks yeah. for letting me know it's the Oktoberfest jersey. It lets me know how no, dark your room is. Hold on. So hold, 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 up just a, hold up just a goddamn second. Is that sponsored by T-Mobile? Yes. Is it? Fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I prefer so not I- to speak. <laughs> if I if I speak, they'll suspend me from Twitter for twelve hours. Oh, <laughs> not not the twelve hour quick burn. Oh no. Now now um now dis- disclaimer. Um, I am on T-Mobile. I don't have reception in my house anymore. Now that we went from Sprint to T-Mobile, I, oh. I'm, I'm holding out as long as I can. He's <laughs> holding out. <laughs> yeah, because I am. Technically, still a Sprint customer. I'm not. I'm holding out on on joining T-Mobile part of the merger. Hey, King, as part of this holdout, are you going to start doing sit-up shirtless in your driveway? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like a like University of Tennessee Chattanooga legend Terrell Owens. Oh, what are you Dre, talking about? Dre, I love please, this next, please. What are we talking about today? We're a motorsport you- podcast. We promise. Apparently. Um, what are you talking about? I love these guys. Next question. Uh, in episode 323, we'll be talking all about, as I said, the IndyCar Grand Prix of, of Monterey, basically Laguna Seca. And uh, yeah, again, don't let the scoreboard fool you. This was a very intriguing race with a very dramatic ending. Um, and hey, we might have one hand and four fingers on the next uh, NTT IndyCar champion um, and uh, yeah we'll more on that in a minute we'll also talk about the searing performance of one Romain Grosjean because the man can't help himself but be entertaining and uh, in in good and sometimes bad ways as well that, but it was very very fun indeed we'll also be talking a little bit about MotoGP we'll be catching up a little bit with uh, Aragon and mainly Misano um Another fantastic one-on-one head-to-head fight to uh, to close to close out the race with Francisco Bagnaia, who again a week ago didn't have a MotoGP top-flight win. Now he has two <laughs> because this season works in strange and mysterious ways. We'll also be talking about some bitching uh, because Yoan Mir has um, gone full old man about about the the, the title defense that is slowly slipping away from the Suzuki camp, and a surprise podium for Enea Bastianini. 
big stuff <laughs> in there as well. Mr. Lap on. Record. Yeah, well, we still have record. More on that in the next hour or so. But in the meantime, there's some places you can find us. We're on motorsport101.com, our website. We're on youtube.com forward slash motorsport101. Hi, if you're watching us on there, hit subscribe if you haven't already. Hit the like button and all that good stuff. You get notifications of when our content goes up. We're on facebook.com forward slash motorsport101. We're on Twitter at motorsport underscore 101. And if you'd like to follow our personal handles, they're on the screen now. At Harrison101HD, at RJ O'Connell, at CBucky917 and at Ryan Eric King. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram as well, at motorsport101pod. And um, if you really, really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. Uh, five bucks gets you early access to all of the audio versions of the show. You can upgrade to 10 for the video versions and access to the supporters club of our Discord server where you can listen to these episodes live as they're being recorded. Whew. So, without further ado, let's get into the main event of the evening. Herder's House of Laguna Seca. Herderly Hills. Herderwood. <laughs> the San Colson Dino Valley? Uh, I don't know. We went to race at Laguna Seca Raceway uh, this past <laughs> weekend. Now, on the race report, it says that Colton Herder led 91 out of 95 laps, which is obviously really, really good. Win for pole Classic. position. Laid the most laps out of anybody. Mats out the points available on the weekend. That's good. But how we got to that point was pretty fascinating because Colton Herta pushed for an early breakaway in the race. And the only man that could stay with him was championship leader Alex Pillow. In the middle portion of the race, Pillow added the pressure as Herta got stuck behind traffic but was able to keep his lead. At the end of the race, it was Roman Grosjean and a fresh set of the softer alternate compound tires at the end. He tries to overcall six cars at a 24-second deficit with 19 laps to try and win the race. Grosjean moved at an incredible pace. He passed Scott Dixon at the corkscrew twice this race. He had a superb pass on Pato Award around the outside of turn three, which is not a passing opportunity. In open air, he was about two seconds a lap faster than the leaders, and with 10 laps to go, it looked like he could try and steal one more position, maybe another. But mm. then he collided with the almost lap down car of Jimmy Johnson at the court screw. That ruined his momentum, and he could only manage to finish third on the day. Still a superb result, considering he started 13th on a place that is tough to overtake. Herta would coast home to defend his Laguna Seca crown that he won two years ago. Remember, they didn't race last year. Mm -hmm. Something about a global pan-seared steak. Uh, Pillow finished second, <laughs> and with Award finishing fifth, it gives Alex Pillow a 35-point lead going to the season finale. With Award the only man who could deny Pillow the Astor Cup, there is also a microscopic chance that Joseph Newgarden could still win the title, but... He would effectively need Pelot to finish last and then to finish ahead of Award. Good luck! <laughs> yeah, not, about... no, it's not happening. Uh, let's start with Colton Herta, who, if he had Ooh. better luck, would easily been up in this championship. I actually, and uh, I'm kicking myself that I didn't discover the works of Drew Benison, who is an IndyCar statistician. Who, uh, who has run um, an interesting statistic called expected points, which is basically the expected points that a driver would have if they finished the race where they ran most of it based on their average track position. 
Colton Herta would be leading the championship on expected points if it paid out like that. But he wow. has been long outside of championship contention by this point. Okay, also, so, I, w- I have one quick question. Is, is the abbreviation for expected points XP? Please tell me it is XP. <laughs> um, I'm pulling it up right now um, as we as we vamp here again. Heard a lot. This dude's getting those big XP buffs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so it is X points. Oh, that's so XP. We're, we're, gonna, XP. We're, we're gonna edit it. It's XP. It's so like Colton heard his XP is exceptionally high. <laughs> Hold on, I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna post this in the supporters general of our Discord to have a look at ourselves. But yeah, if if Colton heard a finished where he averaged on track at places like I don't know Nashville, um, he'd be leading outs below by about 20 points. The difference between his actual points and expected points is 94. So it's against Drew Benison. That's with two ends. Dot shinyapps.io slash the single-seater stats if you want to check all this stuff up. It, it's really great for total dorks like myself. Um, <laughs> is he the sport's best front runner? Mm, I don't know if I'd go that far, but ba- based on that stat, Colton Herta is not far away from being the complete package, and days like on Sunday are what show that. When he's in his element and he is, he's got the car under him, he is superb. Oh, he's excellent. You, did you know, and they didn't mention this at any point throughout the broadcast, that he surpassed his father Brian's win total? Did you know that Brian Herta also won twice with Laguna Seca? Not many people know this, but it's true. Ah, uh, the Herta they, house. They, they mentioned it twice during the last half an hour of the broadcast. I'm with like, the, with the same they, exact photo montage. The exact same montage, and they interviewed Herta after the race, and they had to mention it. So I had to make a joke that, oh yeah, Herta now owns the dinner table discourse. It's like, hey, you know, got more <laughs> and you know who right else there. is at that dinner table, Dre? You know who else it is? <laughs> Go on. None other than Road to Indie legend Carlton Banks, aka Alfonso <laughs> Rivera. <laughs> uh. Also, final winner of the Toyota Celebrity Pro Am race at Long Beach, which bring it back, goddamn! That's right, bring it back. Let Alfonso Rivera deliver his champ, defend his championship. Right? No, I mean for me, I Colton Herter at his best reminds me of when Alex Rossi was challenging for a championship two or three years ago. Like his upside is off the charts. It's ridiculous. Well, I'm like, when he's dialed in, he is virtually invincible. I I, I, I can't... Like, it's it's very, very hard to wrap your head around. But again, just completely... Un- he did an entire second stint of the race with a four-car train of traffic and Alex Polo directly behind him. Didn't give him an inch. Um, yeah, just completely unfavorable under, ple- under pressure. I'm sure he was being told about Grosjean during the final stint of that race. Still kept the gap under control. It never, like, I don't, I think, I think looking back on it now, it would have been a long shot for Grosjean anyway, and we'll get to that in a minute. But it never really felt like Herta was going to lose to Polo in this. And, and Polo, we saw it just, just the week prior in Portland that he can do just about anything in an Indy car himself at this point and Herta no one had an answer for him all day long and it was superb to watch like just complete flattening in the field on that one 
Well, and, and a difference between this race and some races in the past is that the reason why I say Herda isn't the complete package yet is that that XP that we just talked about yeah. doesn't tell us about the fact that Herda, through some bad luck and through quite a bit of self-inflicted uh, issues, mm-hmm. has not finished where he he has run this year. Yeah. Now, because if you because unlike say as a comparison statistically to mm. the other one, XG in European football, uh, that shows your likelihood of scoring a goal. XP is you have the points in hand. Something happened along the way for you to lose yeah. it. Yeah. I'm looking yeah, at and I'm looking at uh, Barber. I'm looking at Texas. I'm looking at Nashville, a weekend that he dominated. I'm looking mm. at Gateway where he led laps before. Yeah, those are the difference between Colin Herta is is going into Long Beach with a shot at the championship, and Colton Herta is finishing out the season strong, but we're hoping that, you know, he can actually make the next step and compete for a championship in 2022. Because who and the then, hell else is Andretti is going to compete for a championship? A whole, well, there is one potential protagonist, and we're going to talk about him in just a minute. But yeah, um... <laughs> I think this race actually was a big deal for Herda's development because he was under major pressure from Polo for, as you said, basically the whole second stint. And he just, he didn't fold. And this is the first time where he's just looked completely in control of a race like that under pressure. Yeah. Still only 21 years old. Still he's got pl- He's got a lot of time left. Man's got 20 years if he wants it. Like, that's Good just... Help, it's 25 years if he wants it. Yeah, yeah, an Indy car, it's an old man's game, unless okay, it's like, not. The reigning Indy 500 champion is 46 years old right now. Like, that's, like, like, that's literally old enough to be Colton's dad. Like, it's... Uh, like, and not sound completely Elio weird. Castroneves regularly finished ahead of Colton Herta's dad for several years. Yeah. I want to talk thing. about Romain Grosjean. I mean, you're not wrong. Yeah, we need to talk about Romain Grosjean. We Look did. at Romain Grosjean, 13th place. What a way to start the weekend, because we hear <laughs> that him and Ed Jones are riding a Honda Civic around Laguna Seca before we start racing, and he's wrecked, and it's just like, oh no, here comes old Romain Grosjean. He's back. Qualifies 13th, charges his way through the field to finish third. I-, I know we talked about, like, should he have gone for that move from that far back on Jimmy Johnson? But then when he got it right, like, those passes on Dixon at the corkscrew the first time, magnificent. Around the outside of turn three on award. Again, Laguna Seca is a track where passing is at a premium. Hook I that overtake seen that. Cr- I haven't seen that pass, that pass out on the outside of turn three. Since the days of P1 versus P2 here in the American Le Mans series. And mm. the Porsche was uh, like a couple hundred kilos lighter than the Audi it was passing. It, remind it me, was ridiculous. It remind me, they use different chassis in IndyCar, right, King? Yes, they do. Well, wait, no, not well, anymore. No, no, no it's not a chassis formula. That just yeah. makes it all the more impressive. This was a race where... 
it didn't matter so much which tire compound you had because in the middle stage of the race, it was kind of turning into a uh, primary tire race. But I think this, the <coughs> consensus from all the drivers was you just really wanted to be on a new set of tires more than anything if you could help it. And that's what really helped Roman Grosjean uh, find yeah. all that pace. But he had to pull the moves off, and he was doing it. Uh, I'd say, you know, the, the Johnson running could have been much worse. Yeah, he was probably half a car length, maybe a three quarters of a car length too far away. He was a little bit closer when he pulled the same move on Dixon, but just it it, it was that superb feel on the brakes that he had way back in the days before Haas. Mm. That when he when he figured out risk assessment, second half of twenty twelve and then into twenty thirteen, and the next couple years at Lotus. Let's not talk about the fact that the braking system was a little bit illegal on those later Lotuses. Um, he would pull off unbelievable dive bomb moves, and we saw that time and time again. That pass around the outside of turn three might be my Scotty nominee. It really might yeah. be. Yeah. Roman Grosjean almost said he almost cried when he got out of his car and the crowd was cheering for him, and he's not a person that cries very often. <laughs> like they, they have, they're starting to love this dude over here. Yeah, I was gonna say like this was the quintessential Romain Grosjean experience this weekend. From being in the safety car in comedic fashion before the weekend had really even started, to a sensational comeback through the field from thirteenth to third. And maybe just one clumsy move over the line too many that might have robbed him of at least second, I think. I think he had certainly had a chance second. of second. Um, maybe the win, we'll never know. I think his tyres did run out of really good real estate by the last three or four laps anyway. But even so, like, just an incredible all-round comeback. This was no one... But Joseph Newgarden was really the only other man that made significant progress like that through the field, given he had a pretty woeful qualifying session himself. But And what was worth mentioning as well, RJ mentioned the, the popularity side of it, he got a curtain call. He got a baseball-style curtain call when he collected his third-place trophy on the podium because he was walking away from the podium and they demanded he go back out there because their fans kept chanting his name. They love him here. Um, and it, it's, it's genuinely heartwarming to see that, like, we've had drivers come to IndyCar before and maybe not take it with complete sincerity and seriousness. And Grosjean has fully embraced the experience and, you know, made the commitments, made... You know, he's, he's, he's approached it with humility. He's not taken pot shots at the series or its drivers or anything like that. He's just been a professional, got his head down, got on with it. And yeah, right. as he's embraced IndyCar, I think IndyCar's embraced him. And I think that's really Roman's sweet been waiting a, a really He's been waiting a, a hot minute to be in a position <laughs> where he could show the talent that the world saw, regardless of, you know... Erickson hit us jokes and the time he had at Haas. Romain Grosjean was this close to being the next big thing in F1. And then Lotus mm -hmm. collapsed around him. And now he's somewhere where he can show the talent that we knew he had. Mm -hmm. And he has taken it as he's, he's taken it with full sincerity. He's taken it with the attitude of 
trying to be the best driver that he can be. Put the same effort in here that he did in Formula One, and it shows. And he's in a he's in a team that stinks in the grand scheme of things. It's not a great team. It's not a great team. Probably in terms of full timers, second or third worst team in the sport. He's putting them on the podium Mm -hmm. multiple times. For, yeah, for a rookie, for a rookie, you know, maybe you could argue age-wise slightly past his best. He's been sensational, and with even without the ovals, he has a half chance at winning rookie of the year, and that in itself is a great achievement. Yeah. And it's a testament yeah. to his talent. Yeah, and the, the talent is superb. Like I said, it wouldn't be Grosjean on Nevada minor error because that is a part of his oh, career. Oh, that probably safety wouldn't. car. Now, uh, <laughs> in terms of IndyCar safety car crashes, which one was worse, this or the Corvette at Detroit? Oh, the Corvette at Detroit. The Corvette, the Corvette at Detroit. Detroit, definitely. That was like that, that was, was not my a man was sideways going into the wall in Detroit. Oh, that was that was that was bad. Oh, that was so bad. But, All right. Gang, I got a I got a quick lightning round question because it looks like there's some silly there's some spots on next year's grid that seem to be open. Uh, so who would you like to see in any one of these seats? Starting with the number twenty nine Andretti Autosport entry, currently occupied by future NBC Sports color commentator James Hinchcliffe. Uh, honestly, we we uh, if you haven't been following. Uh, the the Indy Lights Championship is down to a two-way scrap between one Kyle Kirkwood, as I refer to him, uh, King Kirkwood, and uh, <laughs> yeah. and what? Who's the other? David Malukas. David Malukas. David, David Malukas. Uh, two guys who climbed the road to Indy ladder. Yeah, and Kirkwood has pretty much come out on top on each one of the title fights. Uh, Though Malukas is getting better and better each year, Kirkwood is still fairly better than Malukas. Yeah, and- King, this should be easy, right? Kirkwood's been an Andretti Autosport guy since pretty much the Day beginning one. of his time. Yeah. one. So you'd figure, this is easy enough, but actually, a good friend of yours is also <laughs> in the running and might be the clear favorite for reasons that don't entirely have to do with this form in Indy Lights this year. Oh, do we have to I, talk uh, about Devlin D. Francesco? <laughs> yes, let's, we do. Let's talk no, about no, we do. I, I don't think we do. I don't think we do. <laughs> Bef- um, sorry, I just lost sound there for a minute. Nice, <laughs> yeah. uh, nice <laughs> Riverside. No, but uh, yeah, Devlin's also in the mix for that seat. It looks like there's some funding involved. His dad was throwing barbs on Twitter this past weekend as yeah, well. Throwing barbs at uh, Jerome Demondal, which who has who has finally put out an original piece of his for the first time in his sporting career. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Ooh. RJ! Oh my! I mean, he's not wrong, but jeez, <laughs> aggregator himself. The great uh, aggregator. He uh, just takes other people's content. You can cut this out, by the way. That's fine. <laughs> no, I think we're we keeping that in. <laughs> are we still talking about the 29 car? Yes, we are yeah. still talking about the 29 car. And just just to give people at home a perspective about how dominant Kirkwood has been over the past three years, uh, so far he's run 48 races in the road to Indy. We're not going to talk about 
you know, uh, the SCCA F4, we're just road Indy. He has 30 wins over the past 48 races. That's really... That's this is a pretty right. easy equation. Put Kyle <laughs> in the 29. He is King Kirkwood for a reason. You have been, Andretti has been developing this dude for years. He is the crown jewel of their junior program. Not that they have that much of one beyond him because he's destroyed everything in his wake. Put him in the 29. You figure this would be easy. But as it turns out, it may not come down to him. Hell, you, this, is, this is the wild thing. Kirkwood, they don't have any room for him in the Formula One at the IndyCar end yet. But Andretti Autosport is so desperate to keep this dude, they might stash him in Formula E as a stopgap. Yeah. Oh my god. Just stick him in the electric car for a year, he'll be fine. (laughs) But, like, given, given we don't know the state of Andretti going into next year because, well... They are going to be quite a different team to what they are now. Not be just put the him in the twenty. You have an open seat. Put him in the twenty nine. And it's, it's, actually, I'm running back. So, oh, so the season for Indy Lights is going to end with a double header at, uh, at Mid Ohio. Mid-Ohio. And over the over the past over the past four years, Kyle Kirkwood has run ten races at Mid-Ohio in four different championships. He's won all ten races. Is that good? Mark Marquez looking ass. (laughs) Mark Marquez at the Saxon ring right there, everybody. Um, (laughs) So he is undefeated in North America at Mid-Ohio. That's... uh... That, that's a loss. This that's dude is a walking W. Everything he has stepped into, he has been superb. Put him in the 29, Andretti. Just put the car! Just put... I'm a James Hinchcliffe fan. Put him in the damn car! That's right. That's right. That's right. I, I can assure you, this is not entirely motivated by King's infamous run-in with Devlin Francesco during the Save the Freedom 100 events. I know he's turned away. That's why I can mention it. That makes us better. Let's talk about Dale Coyne racing because it's looking like they're they're going to have to find somebody to replace Roman Grosjean because we pretty much know he's getting right on a race. Let's see. Uh, Takuma Sato seems to be like the front runner. Um, good move? Bad move? Someone else? I don't know. I like the move. Um, good move for the Indy 500, definitely, given that oh, Takuma okay. Sato's uh, won the thing twice and always runs pretty well there. Uh, welcome back, teams. He's one with two different teams. Um, given given what he's been able to work with, there's no reason to think he wouldn't potentially do it with a third. Mm-hmm. But other than that, Takuma's not been that he's, he's not been that great outside of uh, the ovals this year. His he, passing like is still good, yeah. but his he's just not qualifying where he should and that's the I think same that's more of an Ray RLL Hall. problem yeah I think yeah. it's more of an RLL problem than a Takuma specific problem because Ray Hall's been in the same boat yeah. um if it keeps if Sato wants to stay and it keeps him in the sport I'd be fine with that and you know Sato that p- companies from Japan are going to line up to sponsor a team that has historically tried to grab at any sponsorship they can get just to keep Doors noodles. Sweet, sweet Panasonic Dale Coin racing cars for days and days and days. 
Um, we've also got an open seat at Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing, because if you haven't heard, the 45 car is going full-time next year with all that sweet, sweet high to Cheetos and Mountain Dew money. Ah, um, <laughs> uh, yes, the, money. the gamer car. Is it, is it going to be Oliver <laughs> Askew? Is it going to be Christian Lundgaard? Is it going to be Santucci Ferrino? Who knows? I, I, the, the, the horrible thought that went through my head there is that Based on form this year, purely on track, yeah, Ferrucci's probably their best bet as a driver. It burns yeah. me in a minute, but but Cam might be right on mm. this one, especially given he is a genuinely excellent oval racer. Um, there's no denying he's Hate here. Su- he's superb Hate around ovals. It, it, my tongue's on fire just saying this, but like, if there was one. Optimist, well, that's kind of what his cam might allude to here. Oliver Raskew did look really solid at the Dew and the Seca this past week. Oh, weekend. he did. Yeah. Like, he's been like, lucky in these last two races, but there have been flashes where it's like, this is the Oliver Askew that, let's not forget, is an Indy Lights champion, just like Kyle Kirkwood before him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy's still really good. Didn't get a fair shake at McLaren SP. Has done very well in the limited opportunities he's gotten, bouncing from team to team as the super sub of the season. I was going to say... Oliver Askew, let's let's we forget early on last year was throwing hands with Pato Award mm-hmm. and matching him reasonably well until he got his bell rung. Uh as a future prospect, if you want if you want quality of both oval and road courses, maybe not as much oval upside as Ferrucci, but uh, averaging out with the road courses, Askew might be a really good bet for that team and the for just for the future period. Mm-hmm. If they built that team around him, if maybe, you know, we get to the point where Ray Hall wants to move on from IndyCar, which will never happen because that man is terminally online. <laughs> Always. <laughs> you know, the perpetual never log off award winner, Graham Ray Hall. Oh, I was going to say, I was going to ask as well, esteemed gentleman of the panel, like, where do you think Christian Lungard could fit into this? Because again, He's only had the one race. It was Indianapolis's road course, and again, looked really solid first time out on limited experience. I really like Lungard, but it feels like feels like we don't have enough of a sample size. Yeah, and too small. Like mm. th- there have been like not mentioning Lungard specifically, but mainly specific uh, talking about the. Uh, the part-time ride at Ed Carpenter Racing alongside Ed Carpenter only doing the road courses, it'd be... Mm. And mainly the talk has been about whether keeping Daly, Connor Daly, in that seat or not. And the discussion's mainly been about the sponsorship of the United States Air Force and that they want an American in that seat because... Uh, obviously the promotional roles along with that seat is like, hey, you gotta also encourage people to join the Air Force. And it would be awkward if a non-American had that role, even though historically the Department of Defense doesn't care. They had Dan Weldon telling people to join the National Guard. I highly <laughs> I was gonna care. say, yeah, like, I, <laughs> Dan Weldon in the National Guard car for years. A British um, guy, t- a British guy, tending to promote the, the United States Air Force. It doesn't it's like get how, more it's like how, weird um, than that. It's like it's like how legendary uh, NFL kicker Morton Anderson from Denmark didn't know a lick about American football until he just tried it one time, and then became the one of the greatest kickers of all time. 
Like, like honestly, I, I get the logical assumption, assuming what the Pentagon wants, without actually taking into account prior events about what the Pentagon actually wanted. <laughs> I, I mean, mean, that is basically Amer- that is basically the American industrial, uh, military industrial complex in a nutshell. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I don't want to interject too many talking points in the set list, but I did just want to talk about Long Beach coming up. Yeah. Um, Alex Pillow needs to finish 11th, no matter what anybody else does and he, and he wins the title. Do you think, do you think he's got it or do you yes. still have that lingering chance? Yes. Yeah. He, Alex Pillow, 2021 NTT IndyCar world champion. It's yeah, over. Winner, it's winner, over. This is, winner. this is Barcelona's only chance at a trophy for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh Lord! How Where dare you have such Frank? little faith in Martin Brathwaite and Ronald Coleman? <laughs> Believe in the fried chicken. Look, Pillow has had no shit. Twenty opportunities to to bluff this title. Honda has tried to do it for him at a couple uh, of occasions in the last mm. couple of months. He was at eleven percent. He had eleven percent odds to win the championship coming out of Gateway. That has skyrocketed up to ninety-seven point eight going to the Long Beach. And that's the difference between him and Colton Herta. The the XP for Polo always translates. He's just picking up points all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think he will figure it out. I think he's going to have potentially two, maybe faster uh, Ganassi cars, depending on how the weekend might shake out. He's got help. He's got Ericsson and Dixon, and I'm sure if the, if the call came from Chip, Wait, I was going to say, is Dixon, is Dixon mathematically out? Yeah, he is yes. mathematically out. If you haven't okay. heard, Scott yeah, first Dixon of all, that's crazy. <laughs> I know. We're going into the season finale, and Scott Dixon has not already either won the championship Scott or is Dixon eligible. Scott Dixon has never defended a championship. And so he never will. <laughs> he never will. Um, it's like the one thing you can argue along with his Indy 500s. Wasn't his fault this year. But yeah, not- look, I don't believe for a second. First of all, Joseph Newgarden... If the other two merely start the race, Newgarden's effectively eliminated. So yeah, yeah. Newgarden um, needs yeah. the Polo to crash out early or break down. He needs early, him to, he no needs to, he needs him to break out down on the formation lap. Yeah, because yeah. you get points for starting the race or crash out of qualifying. Let's, let's put it this way: RJ's numbers he pulled out was from a one thousand race simulation demo. Not one of them came out with Newgarden as champion. Not one. Yeah, they you have the same. I have the same chance in RJ's system of winning the IndyCar Championship this year as Joseph Newgarden does. <laughs> we all. Hashtag, which is zero. Which is zero. Um, and Pato, honestly, Pato's been great. I fully expect that Pato could win, mm-hmm. but it doesn't matter yeah. because Pol- Pol- I think something catastrophic would have to happen for Polo to. Finish outside the top ten. Even when he's had bad starts to a weekend, even when races have gone haywire, he almost always brings it back to at least top seven or eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, like I, just I think, too good. 
Yeah, uh, I've, I've mentioned you mentioned it on the show, and I'm sure we'll talk about it more next week. But Polo is a revelation and a a walking endorsement for how great the other junior ladder systems can be. Um, because hey, look, junior, Jap- <laughs> you know, I guess, but you know, like him and Pato Award one and two in the championship. That's, yeah, and in, that- and in many ways, Polo is in that Scott Dixon mold of. Be consistent and never give up. He's so yeah. smooth at the wheel. Like that didn't stand out to me until uh, until recently. God, that dude is is a smooth driver. I, I saw it like RJ and I know RJ and I were yelling from the rooftops with watching this guy in Super Formula. Mm. He is just he, he is just butter smooth behind the wheel. Yeah, he does he could, all the right yeah. things. It could very well, it probably will be Polo's coronation on next week's show. We'll Can I also see just say, <laughs> this dude really just walked into Ganassi and dethroned Scott Dixon as number one in a single season. When Tony Kanad couldn't, when Ed Jones couldn't, when Felix Rosenquist almost could, but not really. It's great. <laughs> and we're not even discussing Max Chilton. <laughs> nah. Max who? <laughs> ah, I heard he led the Indy 500 one year. Yeah, mm. boy, if you, boy, just to not to finish it off, but man, if you want to talk about two parties that need a break from each other, Matt Chilton as driver and Carlin Racing's IndyCar operation definitely need to break from each other for a bit. Yeah, if they, if they need to improve in themselves, we I don't, don't necessarily buy any, the narrative that Matt Chilton is completely lazy, but it's clear that some ain't clicking with this combination. No. No, but hey, at least no. they're going to get leader circle prize money. I don't want to talk about. Let's talk about MotoGP. <laughs> oh, from boy. one holy shit moment to another. I was going to say, like, if you're if you're on the Motorsport 101 Discord and RJ talking about the leader circle, it was a rant for the ages. Uh, <laughs> should we talk about MotoGP? Let's talk about MotoGP. Let's do it. Welcome, my friends, one and all, to a different sort of circle. The Peko Banyaya Circle. The week of Peko Banyaya. Seven days. Two MotoGP race wins. It was a fun time for the for the Italian at Ducati. It was a good week for Peko. As mentioned, of London buses. He waited a long time for the first one and then two come along at once. Apparently New York's the same way. Who would afford it? Uh, at Aragon, it was Mark Marquez who threw the house in. And Marquez, as I mentioned, was won here five times before at Aragon. Um, anti-clockwise circuit. We all know he is demonically good at uh, anti-clockwise circuits. Marquez threw the house at Peko, including multiple dive bomb attempts. He threw the house at him. He threw the whole street at him. He threw multiple yeah. comp- apartment complexes at him. Hell, he threw like all of the zoning laws in Aragon at this man, and yeah. he still couldn't stay past Peko Banyai. Yeah, by now I just lifted up all of Manhattan. That, that, that's basically what he did to counter him. He just did not have an answer. For, like, the Marquez just could not stay in front. Daniel, I countered every single attack en route to his first ever top flight win um, in brilliant fashion. Probably the race of the year if you haven't seen it already in MotoGP. Definitely one you, you should definitely go out of your way to see. It was those two out at front, and yeah. it was everyone else. 
It was there, there were Clinic. five seconds clear of Mir in third. They, they they were in a different postcode to the field on that one. Fast forward a week to this past weekend at Misano, the circuit that Marco Simoncelli and uh, whew, yeah, we had a different contender. It's like it's it's like when you beat the final boss in your favorite fighting game, and then Akuma shows up afterwards as a secret boss at the end. It's like oh <laughs> yeah, Fabio Quadraro rolls up and for you know what the championship leader, the champion elect, the guy that's probably going to bring it home. Um, now we've got one less round to play with. Fabio Quadraro fought. Allow me. <laughs> I'm going to take him on instead. And Banyaya tried what he tried at Aragon. He tried an early breakaway. He actually, for the most part, succeeded. He had a three-second lead at half distance um, ahead of his teammate, Jack Miller. And we thought, well, that's going to be an easy one-two finish for the factory boys. And, well, Fabio took that personally. Uh, second half of the race, much better on his tyres. Was able to reel in the gap. Uh, and he got closer and closer and closer. We got to the final lap. There was 0.1 of a second between them going over the line to start the final lap, and Banyaya, again, just did not give Fabio Nerves of steel. Yeah, just... uh, You've got the fastest bike rider on the planet behind you, right behind you. You can hear his Yamaha in the background, and nothing. Fabio couldn't even attempt to pass. He just could not get close enough um, to try and overtake. And yeah, just like that, Banyaya, back-to-back wins, one on home soil. Um, a, a astonishing pair of wins for Banyaya in the end. But we had some other cool surprises further back. Enea Bastianini overtaking about half the field um, and finishing third. His first ever MotoGP podium on last year's Ducati. Um, Where did this come from? Uh, out of lich, not an, no one in their right mind had Bastianini finishing third, and yet out of nowhere, seven laps in, he's passing Mark Marquez like he doesn't even exist. It was it was incredible to witness. Uh, fun fact: he is the fourteenth different rider in MotoGP to finish a race on the podium this. You know, he's year. only ten points behind Jorge Martin for Rookie of the Year. <laughs> Where did that come from? Martin <laughs> won a race. <laughs> well, when you miss four races, that also helps. Yeah, it, it, it helps. It certainly helps. But uh, also, fun fact, also behind them, I, mean, I, I did not envy the TV directors because we had another bonkers fight behind Banyaya and and, more, and, um, and uh, Quadraro there at the back on the last two laps. It was a freeway dog fight between three different manufacturers, all guys with surnames beginning with M. Mark Marquez, Jack Miller, and Yoan Mir, all fighting for fourth on the road, all line third of each other. We got a good old-fashioned hairpin push-out attempt from Mir. Didn't work. Marquez overtook the pair of them and uh, would go on to finish in fourth. Mir actually knocked down to sixth because he broke the cardinal rule. You don't put a wheel on the green in the final lap. And he did exactly that. He dropped to sixth at the back of the queue. He, he was fifth on the road. He dropped to sixth behind Miller in the end. And Mir basically admitted, Played well, himself. that's my title defense over. Basically, we'll, we'll talk a bit more about that in a minute. But, uh, yeah, Whew. Uh, a, a whole load of action on, on at Masano. But we've got to talk about Banyaya. Is is this a breakthrough for the for the Ducati and, 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 and Banyaya in general? Because yeah. this, this, this did feel like it was coming. But to win those two races the way he did was sensational. Superb. I've been able to see it boiling underneath the surface. Last year, he probably had at least one win 
maybe another taken via mechanical failure and injury. This year, he's had a couple where Computer just freaked the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> you were here the whole time, though. Yeah. This yeah. <laughs> is just like. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I just, my headphones just went completely quiet. Um, this year he's had a couple where you could say the Ducati doesn't work, although he's been getting better and better at forcing the front to turn without destroying the tires. A little bit of that this race but nothing to the extent of earlier this season. And, man, it's it helps in those uh, final lap fights when you've got, like, it's seemingly a 1,000 horsepower under, your, under you because no one, no one can stay ahead of this guy, and he knows where to put the bike. And if people try to put him offline, he just cuts back up underneath them. It's it's actually he holds his nerve so perfectly for someone of his experience, someone you wouldn't expect to know exactly how to fight bike to bike, but he already does. It's a scary thought, honestly. Both times I was nervous. Like in in Aragon, I thought, well, Marquez will just get him at the end, and and he'll and he'll win, and it just never happened. At Aragon, and he couldn't end. get and the bike stopped. Was, no. And this one was different because this time it felt like, if anybody remembers 2019's race at Misano, where Banyai was leading that race by a good second and a half, and it looked like this was going to be the first win back when he was still riding for Pramac, and then he crashed from the lead and opened the door for Maverick Vinales to win instead. And we all thought, yeah, remember him? He's on the prettier now. Did you see it? (laughs) No, he was running too far down. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, even so, I mean, just like Banyaya might have cracked the code. He like there is. I still think the way he, he can lost make the that duck three turn. second lead. Yeah, like I still think that the way they lost the three second lead and the tire wear that came with that is going to be a problem. He's not going to be able to get away with that at every single weekend, but. He, he, he can make the bike turn, and that is the one missing piece of Ducati's puzzle. Really, they've they've got a lot of well, other stuff it, figured like, out. If they, if whoever can make the Ducati turn destroys the tires, whoever can't are the people who can keep the tires under them and then make a late charge. Mm. You can't. It's seemingly that it seems that Pecco's starting to figure out how to bring those together. And just the way he places the bike in a, in a dogfight, he's very clean, he's very respectful, mm-hmm. but he uses the bike in a way that the other rider just, unless the other rider's on a Ducati and has that horsepower advantage, they're not going to be able to stay ahead of him. So good. He's, so, he's getting so good. I feel like now that he's got that first one, I feel like a lot more are going to start coming. I don't think I don't, I think it's too far for the championship this year. I think we can all pretty much agree on that. But I wouldn't be surprised if he ends the season like we got four more rounds left. Four more. Yeah, he four, can four to re- God. realistically win a couple more of these to end the season. I think I think the thing to watch here is if he goes on a run 
Fabio can't drop the bike. He has to be perfect to the end. Yeah. Yeah. The problem is, Fabio has not dropped a bike this season. Um, He's had a couple of dodgy days, but not too much harm was done in the end. But he's not actually DNF the race this year. If he can just, if Fabio can just keep racking up top fives and stay on the road, then he will win the championship probably with a round to spare, mm-hmm. maybe yeah. two, depending on uh, depending on how the points play out. But just sheesh. Yes, I knew I, I knew say, it was a matter of of when, not if. But I didn't expect two in a row. Yeah, I was gonna say like like if you're buying the Aya, I've got good news and I've got bad news for you. The good news is, is that we race Misano again in a month's time, end of October, I think it's October 27th. Um, so we do Misano again. The bad news is we also do Portimao again, and Fabio ran that, run that race at a canter earlier in the year. Dem- so, demolition. So, uh, if, you know, again, the only difference is this time is that hopefully Banyai won't start from 11th for Portimao like he was at the first time when he had that pole lap taken off him for a yellow flag which could make things a bit more interesting well, I think the given, traffic out of the mix. I think given what Benyai has shown since then with the way he's able to wield the Ducati's strengths and minimize its weaknesses, that race potentially plays out differently if he keeps his pole lap. Mm. Could very well be. So Benyai without the traffic. It, yeah, it, it's. I think this year is going to be the, the year of what if for Benyai because... If he had cracked the code even two or three races ago, maybe we're looking at a different championship. Oh, yeah. Could very well do. I mean, it's a 48-point lead with four rounds left. It's going to take... Like, if this was a game of snooker, we'd be... Fabio has... He's got a... It's in Fabio's hands. It's out of everyone else's hands. Fabio just needs to keep doing what he's been doing. Yeah. Keep bringing the bike home in top five podium positions and you will win the championship at a canter. You want to talk about people bringing the bike home at podium positions. Anea Bastianini. Sixth place was a good enough career best back at Aragon. And then he just decided, actually, I'm going to just charge the podium, Aaron Masano. All, all incredibly impressive. I mean, there was a spell in the middle of that race where he set four consecutive best ever race laps round Masado. He was on fire in the middle portion of the race. On a year old yeah, on, on a year old Ducati at the Avintia team. The, those jigs just don't know when to die. They like they have, they have great longevity and staying power because even the previous year's package could be competitive. Yamaha, you taking notes on this one? Look what oh. you did to Frankie! <laughs> um, but um, <laughs> but unbelievable performance. That was the rider, that was one of the rides of the season, in my humble opinion. That was an incredible performance. And again, it was very, Oxy wrote about it in his piece for Motorsport Magazine. He talked, and I saw this as well, he's dancing with the front tyre. And that's what's been, that's what made the difference for Marquez for so many years. Being able to extract the extra performance out of the front of the bike was a huge game changer. And, well, for those guys that we were really, really young to remember, Anaya Bastini's first ever career win when he was in Moto3 was at Misano. So much so, they dyed his hair three different colours after the race of a spray can. It was, it was hilarious. <laughs> in the Italian flag. He'd already bleached blonde his hair to prepare for the occasion. And then he, he, went, he went green and red on either side. I thought that was quite funny. But, um, 
remarkable, remarkable performance from Anaya on that one, and I hope it keeps up because the man is fast as hell. But the problem is, is that there there is a long queue of competitive people on Dukes, and there's going to be two more next year with the VR46 team when that finally gets fully confirmed. It's probably going to be uh, Bezeki and Marini, but that's, they've not officially announced that yet. But we'll have to we'll have to wait and see on that one. Gentlemen, we, we have to address some bitchy comments. It's our favourite time on this show. Hey, we need Rain to talk World about Suzuki. Well, I, don't, I don't think they're the only team we got to talk about on a technical side. No, we'll talk about, about Honda in yeah, here big as well. Test. But, but uh, Yoan Mir was uh, not happy on Saturday mm. after qualifying. He was already talking about how you know, the bike needed more development. Otherwise, the title was going to go. And then... He was uh, cut up uh, during qualifying at Misano, and uh, he, uh, he he had enough with Mark Marquez trying to gain a slipstream with the quote about Mark. He always, I think all the riders know what Mark needs, no? <laughs> he said, quote, he always needs a wheel to, to be, I think, strong, or I don't know. It's something that is difficult to understand for me, how an eight-time world champion cannot make his job on his own and always needs some wheel. But yeah, it's the game that Mark always loves to play, and that today, that's the day, today was me. I tried to make my job. I don't care if I have someone on, on the back in this. I tried to give my 100% and to work for the race. <laughs> Uh, Uncle Mir was not happy. He didn't like Marcus's old man game. <laughs> but then he would go on to finish the race and sit. Which, which, uh, it was hilarious seeing that Marquez passed Mir with three corners to go after talking all that shit. And then Mir getting hit with a track limits penalty as well. As a Marquez fan, I may, have, I may or may not have cheered as well. But, I mean, mm. guys, Suzuki, it's... They've they've pretty much thrown in the towel. Mother looks at mother looks at Yeah, the, they said it was a title defense. When I see it, I'll let them know. <laughs> I didn't. I I knew coming out of last year with Marquez being hurt. I didn't want people to start thinking that Yoan Mir only won the title because Mark got hurt. Yeah, but it was going to be an inevitable discussion that people were going to have. And it's it, not fair on me. It was never fair on me. No. Um, he earned that title on merit, and you can only beat what they put in front of you. And that's not on him. However, we do have to address the elephant in the room here. He's not won a Grand Prix since then. Since yeah, that it? one win he had last year. And he's always kind of played second fiddle in this title race. And he's now third in the title race behind Manny Ayer, who's overtaken him now with these pair of wins. Um, and on the other side of the garage, pound for pound, Alex Rins might be the worst rider in GP this year. Like, I, I, I think it's a much. Like, it's, it's between him and Vinales, isn't it? Um, yeah. It's just been... It's been awful. Uh, Every time Rins looks like... circumstances have been a bit less normal. Mm. Shall we say? A little more abnormal. Well, would you rather be trying to blow your bike up deliberately, or would you rather be crashing literally every other weekend? Because it feels uh... like Rins has just... <laughs> Rins was always a bit crash-prone, but he always had the upside of 
being very, very fast and qualifying, putting a Suzuki where it probably shouldn't be. And then, as as Dre said uh, about Marquez and Bastianini, that being able to really just beat the front tire into the road and ride it on the limit of the front tire. And it's... Renz has gone completely over that limit this year. There's been no upside. He's not been that much faster than Mir, and he crashes the bike every week. Yeah. What other than that thing sound like they're going good? And overall, I think Suzuki as an item is just... They got very, very complacent. I think they uh. they thought that last year's bike, with its strengths, would be good enough to come into this Honda. year. Relative- they got complacent. No, because Honda, Honda ran blind down the wrong alley. Suzuki never bothered to run down an alley. They just stayed. They they, they stayed on the street. We're good That's right. on the sidewalk. We're good, and they boasted about that before the season, talking about, well, how are we going to improve the bike? We're just going to leave it as is. And they've been completely blindsided by by Yamaha, certainly, at least in Quattararo's hands, by Ducati on all but the most technical of tracks. Mm-hmm. They're just not competitive. And they when you are, have Mark, who is still hurt, Passing Mir right at the end on a what we know is an atrocious Honda. More on them in a minute. Mm. Sure, it's rider friendly. Sure, it's great on its tires. But it's not fast. And if you want to win, at some point, you have to be fast. Yeah. They are almost mathematically out of the Constructors' Championship. They are 91 points behind of only 100 available. So it is all all but certain that Suzuki will not win the Constructors' title this year. It's going to be a straight fight between Ducati and Yamaha, depending on who finishes best out of their respective teams. I mean, Cam, you also wanted to mention a little bit about the Honda struggles as well, because, boy, uh, it's it's, it's not pretty for that. I mean, it's... No. And what I was going to mention with Honda and with Suzuki is that we had a major test right after the uh, the Misano Mm. race. And Honda wheeled out a bike that might as well be the RC214V. It's it's totally new. The frame's new. The the fairing is new. The rear swing arm is new. The seat unit is new. Everything is new. (laughs) But wait, there's more. Uh, Very unique winglets on the front of it as well. And some positive comments out of uh, Spargaro, definitely. Mark says it's a step in both directions. I think they're going to have to really dig deep and kind of reset their thinking on how they're going to set up that bike because clearly the current bike just, it, it's untenable. They can't continue with the 213V as it currently is when Nakagami's talking about, oh, every time we try to raise the power on the fuel map, the rear just spins. Oh. Is that good? Unideal. That is unideal. <laughs> and it, back I'm to good. Suzuki, they have tested uh, what is also a heavily revised frame at that test. And apparently it's such an improvement, we waste, We might see it at the next race. They're bringing their 2022 frame forward, potentially to the end of this year, to get more time on it. Because, sure. let's be real, this season is a throwaway. They go, they go They're not going to win anything. Yeah. 
with the GSX double R as currently constructed. What if they busted out a Hayabusa? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, then uh, Joanne Mir's gear- girlfriend would have to get infected gauged earrings. Oh, dear. Uh, just before we get out of town as well, a couple of extra notes. We'll talk a little bit more about MotoGP's new calendar because that has come out next time we talk about MotoGP. The only real major, major surprise, Indonesia, March 20th, second round on the calendar mm. next year. So that could be interesting as well. as good to see. Good health Argentina of the world willing, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. Um, yeah, so Indonesia, March mm. 20th, round two, when it's become the biggest ever MotoGP season, 21 races. More on that next time round. Also, as well, because we used to talk about multiple bikes on here a lot as well, happy retirement to Chaz Davies, who announced today that... Uh, this Friend of the show, Chaz Davies, coming home to be a family Chaz. man. He is going to be a family man. This will be his last season in Wall Super Bikes. He's going to hang up the... It's not, it's not, it's not going to be a full-blown retirement, but it's going to say it's going to be his last Damn. season in Wall Super Bikes. Um, that, that, you know what? We're never going to be able to get the Chaz, Raz, and Baz podium. Oh! He's devastated. Oh, oh the pain. So the close. Pain. So close. Um, I've been watching Chaz for 15 years. Since the days he was riding 250 cc bikes on the Moto uh, on the on the Moto GP ladder, um, incredible career. One of the very few people that can keep the great Jonathan Ray honest, and there's not many people ever that can say that. Um, you got a stand innovation from the paddock uh, when he announced his retirement. Very well respected, very well liked rider coming home to his to his two young kids as well. So uh, all the best to Chaz Davis going forward in whatever life will bring him. That'll just about do it for this week's episode. Um, next week, as mentioned, most likely Alex Polo's coronation at Long Beach. Probably, you never know. There's a two percent chance, Pado. Yeah, we don't Maybe. run these races on paper. <laughs> We don't. You never know. It's probably going to be his creation, uh, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Depends. Will Christopher DeHardy be his good luck charm or his curse? He is down there. The, the, you never he know is. what could happen. There could be what, a banana in the tailpipe on Sunday. What are some good fried chicken places in Southern California? I'm sure also, it'd be impossible out. to run a race on paper because paper is a terrible racing surface. And it's I'm pretty so sure. Cool. I'm pretty sure if I'm getting fried chicken after winning an IndyCar championship in Southern California. Not being paid for this, but I'm going to Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles. Hey. <laughs> you know, I, as, I as, someone who is, uh, as someone who recently delved into the world of Chicken and Waffles for the first time, ah. there is a me before he tried Chicken and Waffles, and there is a me after. And I don't know how to get back. It's a right combination <laughs> of savory and sweet that's just perfect. I've never had a conventional chicken and waffles. I need to I need to experience that one day. Um, but yes, IndyCar at Long Beach. Oh, and there's some Formula One race at Sochi next week as well. Seven you know. races. It's like, hey, we're going to do triple headers since F2 and F3 aren't racing together anymore. Well, uh, something's happened in America, and F3 will no longer be going to America. Uh, so uh, we're going to do... A season finale doubleheader for F3. Sochi. Aren't, isn't F2 racing at Sochi? Yeah, we're both racing at Sochi. Well, King, at least it's good that, like, something terrible hasn't happened already. Like, you know, the support race paddocks flooding over or something. That that would never happen, right? No, never. Although there is rain, heavy rain forecast for Saturday. 
God help us all. The, the great junior ladder reshuffle going down, right? Because we heard today, oh, the W series is moving their finale to Kota. Because they're doing a double header of Kota. They're coming like, to America. Uh, yeah. They're, they're, they're doing a double header in America now because they're not doing their season finale in Mexico either. So they're moving their stuff around. And we also got word Miami is going to be in May next year for Formula yeah, One. Yeah, let's go! That's going to be interesting. Um, uh, Miami's there. And Imola is permanent from 2022 to 2025. Woo! Yay, I guess. But the French Grand Prix. Fuck the French Grand Prix. (laughs) (laughs) I'm getting out of here before Cam commits civil war on King. Um, (laughs) Paul Ricard uh, is a test track. (laughs) And a bike track. Oh, Congratulations, no, no. Suzuki, on winning the Bull Door for 2021. Yes, well done, well done. We, we love that for them. We, we love that for kids. At least they won something this year. Indeed, it's something. Right, let's get out of here. We'll talk about a lot more out on next on next week's show. As mentioned, IndyCar at Long Beach, their season finale um, at Long Beach the next next time round, and Formula One at Sochi. Will Verstappen take a power unit penalty? We'll soon find out over the course of the weekend, and we'll bring you everything that comes from Sochi. Please don't hit each other. I want to keep this hair on my head for a weekend. Please, dear God. In the meantime, basically you can find us one more time. Our website, motorsport101.com. All the episodes go live on there. YouTube.com forward slash motorsport101. Facebook.com forward slash motorsport101. Twitter at motorsport underscore 101. Our handle's on the screen now. Harrison 101 HD. Buckley 917 at RJ O'Connell and at Ryan King's floating head. Um, also, we're on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. Uh, five bucks at access to one of our audio shows. Ten bucks for the video versions and the the supporters club of our discord server uh so until next time i've been dre harrison they've been cam buckley rj o'connell and ryan eric king we'll see you next time for some long beach coronation some chicken and waffles sayonara later y'all bye y'all prefer your waffles with or without the bone wait you can order waffles with bone in them (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.